The following is a hoop bowl presentation. Plays it into Trey. Two seconds wide. Trey Slaughter. the Atlanta Hawks. I'm your host, Brad Harden, recording live from Atlanta, Georgia, and I'm recording this on October 21st, right after the season opener for the Atlanta Hawks here at home, State Farm Arena. Great, great dub to start off the year, routing the Dallas Mavericks on national television. The first of 18, 19 national televised games for the Hawks this year. Put some respect on our name. And although it's one game of 82, we don't want to overreact to an almost 30-ball Thursday occasion. Even with Mavs fans chirping at me leading up to the game, I'm not going to get into all that. You know what? I'm a professional. I'm a professional. But it was absolutely A statement win for the Atlanta Hawks, sending a message to doubters that last year was not a fluke. And Trey said after the game on TNT when he was interviewed, there is a reason we were in the Eastern Conference Finals last year. And there were things that I liked even more in game one of the 2021-2022 NBA season that I hope continues to be a constant theme for this Hawks team Throughout the rest of the year, I I can't say enough good things about tonight. Perfect way to start the season, especially when you're an Atlanta sports fan and you're looking at the Braves game right now as I'm looking at the score as I'm recording this. Bottom of the eighth, Dodgers are up 7-2. So it was good to see the Hawks win. Um, When you see the Braves, you know, potentially losing this game, but they're coming back to the A. So, it's all good. It's all good on that front. As you know, I am a Cardinals fan, hailing from St. Louis. So, love my Redbirds, but have a vested interest in seeing the Braves win and get to the World Series. But we're going to talk Hawks on this podcast. We're going to talk about the game after this plug for my bookie. All right, and we are back. I want to start this podcast talking about defense. Defense. The defense for the Atlanta Hawks tonight was absolutely suffocating, a thing of beauty. And they did some things that when you have a full, almost a full deck of cards, they don't even have a Kongu on the court yet, who's another really good interior defender. I loved how they protected the paint tonight. I loved how they were challenging shooters, making the Mavs' lives real difficult Challenging shots as the Hawks held the Mavericks to 33% shooting from the floor and 30% from three-point range. They forced 15 turnovers tonight. And a lot of them were, you know, lazy, not lazy, game one type turnovers. Hawks had them as well. 
you know, passes where guy would be there, but not because it's game one. They still got to work on timing and communication. But the force 15 turnovers in game one blocked nine shots, including two apiece for John Collins, DeAndre Hunter, Clint Capella, and the new Hawk, Gorgie Jang. Eight steals, real active hands on a defensive end. You out-rebound Dallas in total, 55-50. to 50, And you out-rebound them by nine on a defensive glass tonight. You limited fast break opportunities for Dallas. You hold Luka Doncic to 18 points. Still has 11 rebounds and seven assists. But forced five turnovers from Luka Doncic, who much better than Trey Young. Um, and I'm like I said, Luka Doncic is definitely one of the best players in the NBA. I'm not, you know, sliding him, but you know all the people who talk about famously the trade between Atlanta and Dallas that sent Luka to Dallas and Trey here to Atlanta. All the people who said that Atlanta lost the trade, no doubt. Now, I mean, how about now? Because we up right now. In the words of the great Drizzy Drake, they're up right now, and even though the Hawks had a better year last year than the Dallas Mavericks, the Hawks lost both games to the Mavs. So this was, obviously, anytime they play the Mavs, Luka, Trey, a lot of extra attention, extra fire and competitiveness as far as the spirit of both teams in this game, especially from the Atlanta Hawks side who been hearing, hearing this chatter since the trade happened on trade night, you know, a few years ago. But... To lose both games last year and you have an opportunity to start the year off right against a cross-conference rival, and I had the Memphis Grizzlies in that conversation as well. You know, teams who are up and coming the same time as the Atlanta Hawks um, on the other side on the Western Conference right now. Dallas is in that, you know, that category. And so there was a lot of added fuel and fire to this game that was evident from the Atlanta Hawks side of things. You hold Kristaps Porzingis to 11 points and five rebounds. The man is 7-3 and only had five rebounds. Great job. Great job. And you hold him to 4 of 13 on the floor. And he had his mismatches tonight. He had his opportunities to score and didn't. So great job from the Atlanta Hawks defense limiting, you know, top two players for the Mavericks. And then typically last year, you know, Tim Hardaway, Jalen Brunson, who, you know, Jalen Brunson did his thing and Tim Hardaway was effective in spells tonight. Usually those players, you know, Finney Smith, they kill you. They killed you last year. You limited those other players outside of those top two players for Dallas. So that's just, that's a team effort. And there were some great individual efforts on defense. DeAndre Hunter was a menace on the defensive end. Cam Reddish, you know, does what he does all the time. They took turns guarding Luka. Even, you know, DeAndre Hunter had a nice little swat on Kristaps Porzingis. And he swatted Luka, too. So, who wants smoke? Anybody can get it. Gorgie Jang, who looked good in the preseason on defensive end, challenging shots, getting rebounds. He carried that momentum into the first preseason game off the bench. Clint Capella, limited spell, but did his thing on the defensive end, was very effective. John Collins, as well, blocking shots, getting a steal. And Kevin Herter, you know, he's really good on the off-ball uh, off defense. We always praise him for that. And getting into the mix, getting a block and a steal himself. So it was a team effort on the defensive end, and it was a great way to set the tone on that side of the floor for the Hawks. They're only going to get better on both sides of the court. 
The Hawks were physical on defense. They communicated and they competed the entire night, whistle to whistle. They did not get discouraged when they got fouls called, even though the fouls were a little finicky tonight. And I'm going to speak to that on the offensive side as well. Um, fouls were hard to come by for the Hawks, and especially in the first half. They only had nine free throw attempts the whole game. That should tell you about the officiating. They kind of let them play, kind of filler out in, you know, the first game of the NBA season uh, for both teams. But it was evident that the Hawks were playing, in my opinion, playoff caliber defense in game one. Sure, there were some lapses in some nights. There's going to be some lapses on the defensive end. But this is a great way to set the tone of this is how we want to play defense. You have Cam Reddish healthy. You have DeAndre Hunter healthy. Obviously, you have Capella. I mean, working his way back into things. John Collins, obviously, invest, everybody's invested on the defensive end. I'm not going to exclude anybody. You don't have Okongwu, who is a good young defensive player in the post. I like the buy-in on the defensive end for this Hawk team. And Nathan Millen is known as a defensive coach. But having, you know, a, a full training camp, a full offseason to be the guy, no interim tag, he is the head coach. He really had his fingerprints all over, you know, the game plan tonight. So attributed to the coaching staff, the players executing on a defensive end because they knew Dallas can score a lot of points. And to hold Dallas to 87 points and hold them to in the 60s by the end of the third quarter, just great defensive game plan. I mean, the Hawks have some dogs on the defensive end, as I mentioned some of them, some just dogs. Great game plan. On the two stars for the Dallas Mavericks, forced a lot of tough shots all night for that entire team. So great way to set the tone on the defensive end. And offensively, you shoot 48%. Excuse me, guys, you hear the thunder raining. And it rained a little bit tonight in State Farm Arena. 48% from the floor for the Hawks. Almost 43% from the three-point line. Again, as I mentioned, nine free throw attempts for the Atlanta Hawks tonight. As I said, fouls were hard to come by. For the Hawks, especially in the first half, there was a lot of blatant fouls that were just missed. But you live and you learn. Officiating, you know, it's game one for them, too. They're going to get, you know, get in the flow, you know, work on their angles and all that. So I don't want to harp on that too much. But my favorite stat of the night on the offensive end, 31 team assists. And I need, if I had a, a full staff, I would definitely try to figure out what is that sweet spot as far as team assist? What number do the Hawks need to get to? I say mid-20s is a good night for the Hawks. I love about 23, 24, 25 team assist. I think that's a recipe for winning. Tonight, 31 team assist. That was my favorite stat from tonight. And the next one is a close second. They dominated the paint 46 to 26 as far as scoring in the paint. That is a tribute to, you know, interior defense for the Hawks, which a lot of people were still worried about coming into the season. Because, I mean, rightfully so. Yeah, they added some, you know, some depth, but we still have some injuries. And Hawks kind of light in the pencil, you know, that phrase, as far as really trying to keep people out the paint. But they really did a good job tonight dominating the paint and in themselves getting into the paint and scoring. And on top of how great they played on the defensive end, the 31 assists, how they dominated the paint, 
Obviously, shot well from three. It was, you know, rough in some stretches for the Hawks, but they ended up getting north of 40% from the three-point line. Always a good night. But just the depth of the Hawks. They had a deep rotation tonight. A lot of people got in. And obviously, since the score uh, crept, you know, the Hawks had a lead of 30 at one point. A lot of people got some time tonight. But how deep the Hawks can go on a nightly basis it's scary for the rest of the league. And if you're not a Hawks fan and you're listening to this podcast, first time, not really sure about the Atlanta Hawks, you saw the run, you're like, are they for real? You need to take a real good look at their roster and look at the depth that they have. And their leading scorer tonight was a bench scorer, Cam Reddish. Very aggressive the entire preseason looking for his shot. And he came out. Firing and he was aggressive. He started off slow, just like a, a lot of these Hawks players. The Mavs started off slow offensively. Hawks did too, and then they finally got into a rhythm, you know, as the game went on. But off the bench, 20 points for Cam Reddish, 7 of 15 from the floor, 3 of 4 from the three point line. As I said, he started off slow, but once he got into rhythm, boy, the, the basket looked bigger and bigger. And splash, splash like the rain hitting my window pane right now. It was great to see Cam Reddish play like this. And everybody knows I'm I'm a Cam Reddish realist. I need to see consistency from Cam Reddish on a night-in, night-out basis. I want to see him continue to be healthy, be aggressive, get to the cup. That was my favorite thing about Cam Reddish tonight. He was aggressive, getting to the cup, not settling for a bunch of jump shots. And his ability to get to the cup. And it was set up by, obviously, you know, him, you know, giving effort on the offensive end, filling lanes and getting to the cup. And, you know, he had one great find that led to a little dunk, you know, where Trey Young saw him, where the Mavs, you know, were sleepwalking a little bit, trying to get back on defense. And Cam Reddish took advantage, put the burners on and got to the cup. I want to see more of that from Cam Reddish. I want to see him get to the free throw line more. Those are things that, really jack me up and are going to be the things that Cam Reddish needs to do to potentially stay here in Atlanta or, you know, just work on boosting his, you know, stock around NBA circles. He, he had three free throw attempts tonight, made all three. I would love to see him get more free throw attempts, continue to be aggressive, get to the cup because he was getting to the cup. He wasn't settling for as many threes. So, only four three-point attempts, but you make three of them. Very efficient night from Cam Reddish, more so than what we're used to seeing, even though his total field goal percentage under 50%, slightly under 50%. He started off slow and then picked it up, and that's what we like to see from Cam Reddish. Continue to be aggressive. You're going to have your opportunities off the bench. Great night for the young kid. Obviously, ice trade a gang. Burr, by the way, Trey Young's commercial from Adidas, you know, narrated by Atlanta's own Quavo. Great commercial. I saw it during, you know, the commercial break on the TNT broadcast. It just really jacked me up and really just tells Trey Young's story about, you know, small stature, you know, odds against him to be where he is now, uh, all-star in this league and needs to be an all-star this year. And, I mean, even though he started off slow too, hey, Steph Curry, if you watch – you know, the Warriors beat the Lakers, you know, the other night. Steph Curry started off slow, um, had a triple-double, ended up with 19 points, but didn't really shoot well from the floor, but got others involved and obviously grabbed rebounds, as I mentioned, a triple-double. And now tonight he had 25 points in the first quarter. So 
Trey Young started off slow, didn't score his first point into the second quarter, but still had a double-double tonight, 19 points on 6 of 16 shooting, 2 of 5 from the three-point line, hit all five of his free throws. And I know some people were worried about free throw attempts with the rule change uh, this year as far as people initiating the content uh, contact on offense to get fouls called. And a lot of people are like, oh, is, Trey Young, is it going to be the end of Trey Young? No. I mean, the reason why I'm not worried about it, because he still got to the free throw line five times. And when I'm looking at the stats for the Hawks, he still got to the free throw line more than anybody else on the Hawks roster. But again, they didn't call a lot of fouls, and the Hawks only had nine free throw attempts as a team. So that is probably more so to how they officiated the game tonight. And two, what's the point? He doesn't need to get to the free throw line, you know, 10, 11 times if he has 14 assists like he does tonight and he's getting everybody involved. Everybody's touching the ball. I mean, when you look at it, six players in double digits tonight, almost seven, almost seven players in double digits tonight. You know, Trey Young was really dishing the ball out, letting people get in the rhythm and finding them. My favorite pass of the night was a wraparound pass that he had with two defenders on him as he was penetrating the lane, dumped it off to Capella. Capella got the N one opportunity. Really, like that was the the start of them really separating themselves and putting a gap between them and the Mavs. Beautiful, beautiful play. Hey, five turnovers, but hey, it's game one. I'm not gonna harp on it. Like I said, I loved how he was getting everybody involved. It's obvious his trust and comfort level with his team is there. It's only gonna get better. Continuity, more reps. Uh, their legs underneath them, more minutes they play, and they're clearly looking upon building upon last year's success and show. Like Trey Young said, last year was not a fluke. You know, we're really, we're really here, really here. And who else was there the entire year last year? As I said, should have been a DPOY candidate in my opinion. Clint Capella, 21 minutes. They tried to limit him. Obviously, coming back from injury, slowly easing him into things, but. Boy, was he effective and efficient in those 21 minutes. 12 points, 13 rebounds. Starting off the year with a double-double. Had a lot of double-doubles last year. And you know what? 66 from the floor is pretty damn good, too. Looked good in limited minutes and stretches. And as he continues to get healthier, I know that he's going to you know, continue to put this forth put forth this effort on a night-to-night basis. And they're going to need him to do that. And they're going to need uh, Gorgie Jang to do that too with Okongo out. But I loved what I saw from Clint Capella setting the tone. We already mentioned that he had his two two blocks as well. And DeAndre Hunter, another player that started off slow in this game, ended up with 11 points himself. 5 of 11 shooting from the floor. Obviously, he will get more efficient as he gets his legs underneath him. You know, gets used to being back on the floor, playing games. He had 29 minutes tonight, so he had plenty of opportunities. Uh, one for three from the three-point line tonight. Added three rebounds, one steal, and as I mentioned, two blocks already. My favorite thing about DeAndre Hunter, how he was a dog in the defensive end. And defense really set up his offense. Once he started defending, making plays on the defensive end, challenging people, he started getting rhythm with his jump shot on the offensive end. And he saw him size up, you know, defenders a couple times and then shoot a jumper in their face. Those are the things that DeAndre Hunter was showing last year before he got hurt. And I'm glad we saw a little bit of that tonight. He's only going to get better. He's only going to get better. And as I said, with his defense, he was guarding everybody. Who won't smoke? Who won't smoke? Mm. 
No one wants to smoke that DeAndre Hunter is bringing on the defensive end, but everybody got a taste of it at some point from DeAndre Hunter. I loved seeing that intensity on the defensive end. Hey, shots not falling. Go out there and get you some on the defensive end. That's going to jack people up. That's going to spark you up. And it sparked them to get over the double-digit hump as far as scoring. And John Collins, another good night. He was really focused throughout the entire preseason and came out focused again, really efficient, scoring 16 points on 7 of 11 shooting from the floor. And John Collins, and when you look at his touches last year, it's like, I want 12, 13 shots. 11 shots, I'll take that. I'll take 11 shots from uh, from John Collins because he gets his touches. Hawks generally win. They won tonight. 16 points, as I said, 7-11 shooting, 2 or 3 from the three-point line, 9 boards, 3 assists, 1 steal, and 2 blocks. Did a little bit of everything. He was effective and sharp like he was in the preseason. I want John Collins to continue to be sharp because if he's sharp, Obviously, you know, he is invested in the defensive end. We know we can do offensively, shoot the three. Has a little mid-range, a little, you know, fadeaway now, that little jumper over players. And then obviously he can finish around the rim. You know, scoring at all three levels. Just, we need to continue to find John Collins, and I'm glad we found him again tonight to start off the year to really get him in a rhythm. Bogey didn't score a ton of points, 11 points. Four of eight shooting, three of five on a three-point line. So efficient as far as scoring. Two assists and three boards. You know, Bogey doesn't necessarily need to be the second leading scorer every single night. But when you have other players contributing, it's okay for Bogey to have 11 points. And it wasn't like he was just jacking up bad shots. Four of eight, 50% is good. Three of five from three, 60%, really good. So I can't complain about that. And then Gorgie Jang, the new Atlanta Hawk, nine points. Six rebounds off the bench, two blocks and one steal. Loved what I saw from the defensive end, and I love the minutes that he is getting off of the bench with Okongu out. And great signing, very underrated signing for this Hawks team. Um, obviously, we had DeLon Wright getting the backup point guard minutes. He didn't score a basket against his former team tonight in 15 minutes, but I like having Gorgie Jang and DeLon Wright as new additions through you know, free agency and trade from the offseason. Kevin Herter, slow start tonight. Three of eight from the floor or three from three. Six points, not stressing it. Love the six rebounds he had. Love the two assists and the one block that he had. Uh, doing other things to help the team win, which they did tonight. So, you know, Kevin Herter's going to have his nights. We already know that. So it's game one. We're not really tripping off it. Jalen Johnson in garbage time minutes. Got six points. Shot, shot looked really good. He knocked down two three-pointers tonight, so he looked really good. His stroke definitely looks a lot better than it did in Summer League and obviously at Duke, something that's going to have to continue to work on. I don't know how many minutes he's going to get on a nightly basis. Like I said, Garbage Time only played four minutes, but to play four minutes and have six points, really effective. So, hey, something to keep an eye on, on as far as Jalen Johnson, especially if Gallo misses some games and Jalen Johnson continues to get better and better as a rookie with opportunity. Like I said before, no Gallo tonight, no Lou Will. Hawks have crazy depth this year to do this to the Dallas Mavericks, a team that beat you twice last year, and not have two vets 
who can score the ball themselves with Gallo and Lou Will. The Hawks are one of the deepest team in the NBA this year. Um, that's not a stretch. That's a fact. They're one of the deepest teams in the NBA, and I think they can go toe-to-toe with a lot of teams' depth across the league. So that is going to be something that I look at on a nightly basis. If the starters are coming out flat, who's going to step up on the bench? Have a lot of players who can do it. As I said, you have Reddish, you know, at 20 tonight. You have Gallo and Lou Will, who I mentioned. Jalen Johnson, potentially. Gorgie Jane. You know, Sharif Cooper, when he gets his minutes. DeLon Wright. Uh, Kevin Herter. Skylar Mays. There's a lot of guys on this bench who can score for this team. And, they, and they're not afraid to play defense as well. Hawks are really balanced. They're a really balanced team. And when you look at the landscape of the East outside of the Bucks, even though they lost tonight, outside of the Bucks, at the top, Philly kind of. I mean, they're still kind of. I mean, they look good. Game one against the Pelicans. I mean, everyone looks good against the Pelicans without you know Zion Williamson out there. But I think they might be the most balanced team in the East behind the Bucks right now, as far as offensively, defensively, having depth. Uh, I think they're probably one of the most balanced teams in the East. And if they can continue to be balanced, that's going to keep them steady as far as at the top half of the Eastern Conference, you know, game in and game out because everyone's going to be gunning for them. And I'll talk about it now. Great way to start the year against the Mavs with this big win, almost 30 ball Thursday, but a trap game coming up in Cleveland on Saturday against the Cavaliers at 6 p.m. Eastern. Hawks struggled last year against the Cavs. Uh, posting a losing record against them. They play very hard. The Cavs play hard. And they're young, just like the Hawks. So Hawks must be up for the Cavaliers like they were for the Mavs tonight. And they got to do this against every team. Again, it's early, but these are must-win slash gotta-win games, in my opinion. People are going to be gunning for the Atlanta Hawks all year long. And the Hawks still have a lot to prove. A lot of people still think the Hawks are a fluke. There's dowers out there. Yeah, they're not going to, you know, do it. They're not going to do it again. Yeah, right. They're a one and done. One and done. And you know what? I don't want to hear no chatter about, wow, what's wrong with the Hawks if they lose to the Cavaliers. I don't want that chatter starting early. I don't want to hear none of that. I want the Hawks to leave no doubt that they are borderline contenders in the East. As I said, in my opinion, one of the most complete, balanced teams in the Eastern Conference behind the Milwaukee Bucks. And, I mean, when you barring health, I mean, they have the versatility on defense, versatility on offense, the continuity, the depth, the coaching, the success from last year that they're feeding off of, and that's making them hungry for more. They're in building mode, and tonight was a great foundation laid for the rest of the 81 games for the regular season for the Atlanta Hawks. So fun one tonight on TNT. I'm glad the nation got to see that the Hawks mean business. I mean, a lot of people love Luka Doncic and rightfully so have high hopes for the Mavericks. Rightfully so. They have two really good offensive players, but the Hawks have a team, a team, and they are built for, I think, long-term success with all the pieces they have on his team. So really excited, really excited to see how they follow up against a tough matchup, in my opinion, with Cleveland. They're going to have a lot of size. They're going to be physical. They're going to try to slow the game down, try to slow the Hawks down offensively. But the defense that I saw from the Hawks, if they can bring that defensive intensity against the Cavaliers, I mean, it might be a slug them out game. And, hey, wear them out enough, 
and find some opportunities in the offensive end to score. Trey Young's going to have to really get everybody involved and everyone's going to have to be ready because they're going to try to limit the Hawks, as I said, because the Cavaliers will get into your defensive end. So it's going to be a fun one uh, on Saturday. Again, 6 p.m. on the road um, at, in the midst of college football and obviously what the Braves are doing right now. Get you some Hawks in you this weekend. I'm going to be gone for a wedding, but I'm going to make sure my eyes are on a Hawks game on Saturday. And if you love what you heard today, give us five stars. Give us a good review. Share it. Tell everybody about the hottest new podcast covering the Atlanta Hawks. The season is here. It's game one in the bandwagon. Still, still, we got room. We got room, so come on. Put people on to the podcast. Have them check it out. Share it with fellow Hawks fans, Georgia sports fans, NBA fans, basketball fans. It doesn't matter. Share it with everyone because Hawks about to, you know, about to shock the world again. Um, and I want you to hear it from me first. So follow us at HoopBallHawks on Twitter. That is at HoopBallHawks. And on Twitter, follow myself, Brad Jarrett 67 That is Brad, J-A-R-R-E-T-T-6-7. Sheesh! Big game one. We on to the next one. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.